Hey there, guys. On today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast, Peacemaker Season 2 is now finally officially in development and the script is being written. The Golden Globes are trying to become a little bit more relevant. They've added more voters, and look at that. They've actually put a little bit of diversity in their group. Can streamers take advantage of this new residuals model that the writers have and find a way to use their release schedules to screw them out of residuals? We're going to stress that. Also, whole bunch of Loki stuff since Loki's coming out this week. A Marvel executive talks about the future plans for Thor and Loki together. The Loki runtimes have been released and the first reviews for season two have come out and they're surprisingly pretty fantastic. That and a whole bunch more of the John Campus Show podcast starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie-related show on the planet, the John Campion Show podcast. Coming to you from right here in our quaint little studio, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I'm, of course, your host, John Campion. It's an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff, not just giving you our opinions, but hopefully giving you some history, information, and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether the exact same or a little bit different from ours. I'm joined in studio by Ray Ora. Jonathan Voiko's here. Hey. The delightful Chris Carr is hey, here. Y'all. And most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Want to give you guys a reminder that we do also have an audio-only podcast. It's form of this show and open mic we put them both on the same podcast feed so for those days that you're commuting you're on a treadmill you're taking a walk around the block you need an audio only version of the show make sure you go right away whether it's on apple Podcasts, spotify or your favorite podcasting app of choice and subscribe to the john campy show podcast today all right guys with all that down let's dive right into it shall we the single best i still contend this and i will forever the best dc television show ever is peacemaker and i say that as a fan of a lot of dc television but peacemaker is i think the best thing they've ever put on tv i absolutely fell in love with this and i was one of the guys who when they said they're making a peacemaker show i said why what what i mean don't get me wrong the trailers for suicide squad look good I like John Cena and comedic roles and everything, but this is a stupid idea. Making this show is a stupid idea. And then, if you really want it, if you really want it, came on and I was in love. I fell in love with this show. Loved it from episode one to the finale. It's fantastic. But we've been waiting a long time for news about season two. And, you know, a couple things got in the way. James Gunn becoming the head of DC kind of, you know, threw a wrench in things a little bit, had a little bit of a writer strike going on with through things in a wrench a little bit. But still, this is a show that came out, I believe, seven years ago. I think Peacemaker 7 went, <laughs> yes. Peacemaker season one was seven years ago. At least that's how it felt like. But finally, officially, word has now come out. They are rolling on season two. This comes to us from the folks over at CBR who wrote, Created by James Gunn and based on the DC Comics character of the same name, Peacemaker premiered on Max, which was HBO Max at the time, in January of 2022. That's exactly what I said seven years ago. The series drew high viewership and critical acclaim, which led to a second season getting announced the following month. Progress on the series has been fairly slow since, though, thanks in part to the WGA strike. However, James Gunn revealed in an Instagram comment to a fan asking for season two that he is, quote unquote, this is James Gunn saying it, I'm writing it now. 
So Peacemaker season two is finally at least in the script writing phase. Now, I don't know how much time James Gunn is going to have to work on it. He's got a little movie called Superman, which is going to be rolling into production here soon. I'm sure he's already hard at work on pre-production. So, I mean, it sucks to say it, but, you know, it came out in January of 2022. So a year and a half ago. I don't think we're going to get a Peacemaker season two until maybe mid-2025. Like, I think it could be like three years in between seasons. And I I think that sucks. I really do. I really think that sucks. So I am part super excited because I absolutely love this show. I, I just think it's fantastic. And, you know, one of the big questions a lot of people are going to have about Peacemaker moving forward is how does it fit in to the new DCU? And I don't know the answer to that. But what I've always said is this. If you really watch, really, really watch uh, Peacemaker season one. (laughs) Couldn't resist. (laughs) Season one, if you literally just take out that final little cameo scene in the final episode, the fuck you, Barry, scene with Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller there, you take that one quick cameo out, this... Peacemaker series was in almost no way attached to the DCEU, really, in a practical way. There, I've always said from the beginning, you have to just do very, very minor retcons to take Peacemaker as it is and just drop it into the new DCU and just have to retcon a few very, very minor parts. It's not like, say, Wonder Woman, who literally interacted with every member of the Justice League and popped up in almost all the movies. and all. It's, it's a different thing, right? You can say, oh, when Peacemaker said this in the first season, he was actually referring to something else, you know? So it's not a hard thing to do. I'm not so concerned about that. I am more concerned about he's only writing it now. He can't write very much because he's got to be focused on Superman. I think it's going to be wild till we see it. Anyway, Chris, I'm still happy that they're writing it. What are your thoughts on Peacemaker and them finally getting around to developing season two? I love Peacemaker so much. And so did so many other people. This was the most popular show in January of It was the of number one show in the world for a while, yeah. yeah. Perry Analytics said, and this is some Taylor Gonzalez math, it was 69.5% more popular than other shows. And that was including The Witcher. That was including Book of Boba Fett, which obviously those things panned out the way they did. But this was such a hot in-demand show that I don't think anyone really saw coming it being this successful. Oh, no. I still remember when they put out the first clip. I think the first clip they released was when Peacemaker goes in the diner and sits down with the rest of the group. And he's yeah. talking about how he's got his eagle in the car. And I thought... This looks like it was shot on an iPhone Mm -hmm. and nothing about this feels funny. Like I was so crapping on this show before it came out. I was so confused why it was happening because I I also didn't love Suicide Squad as much as you did. Right. And so it was, we're getting a spinoff of that? Okay. All right. I guess we'll see what happens. And it's so funny and so good and also heartfelt and and profound in so many ways too, which I did not see that coming either. It's wild to me though the idea of a show being that successful and pen not being taken to paper metaphorically until this moment and literally yes (laughs) yeah um and i understand a lot of that has to do with the strike and with james having a lot more on his plate and things like that but i feel like it wasn't today's the day huh all right page (laughs) one scene one exterior shot of trailer i don't think it's that i think that james gunn probably had something a little more planned for what he's doing here 
But I do worry about everything that's on his plate. Yeah. If he's writing this, if he's doing Superman, if he's going to be directing that, if he's charting the course of the DCU, that's a lot of spinning plates. And I know he's obviously not alone in this. He's got Peter Safran. He's got the other writers, directors, crew members he's going to bring on board. But I just don't want to lose any of the quality of that magical first season because it was so it was it was lightning in a bottle. And I know that's already hard enough to recreate to have a strong sophomore season with all these other things he's got to do. I'm a little worried about him starting on it now. You know, one of my favorite scenes in the entire first season was vigilante in prison. So good. That whole thing was so great. I love now. Here's, of course, the big question, though. You're David Zaslav. All right. Oh, no. And you're going into Peacemaker season two. I can't even play saxophone. And James Gunn comes to you and says, what do we do with the opening credits this year? Do we keep the same song with the new cast of characters or do we replace the song and do some other choreographed thing? Oh, what do you man. do? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie to you. And philosophically, I think you change the song. He's already got a song ready. Zaslav's got his thing ready. He's like, hey, man, I got this all written. I can do it. I, on the other hand, at the same time, my heart will smile greatly if I sit down, press play on Max, and I hear, if you really want. Like, I'm, it's just going to, you know what it's like? It's like the second episode of House of the Dragon, because they didn't do it on the first episode, but the second episode of House of the Dragon, they played the iconic Game of Thrones music. Bum, bum, and it's like, yeah. <gasps> I just felt like I was back. I so I don't know. What do you do? With I it? want that song. I Me want too. that. I mean, especially as as an anime fan, right? Almost every season you get a new song, and sometimes it comes before the new season, and it throws you off. Where you're like, "What the hell is this? How dare you?" One Piece comes to mind when they stopped doing the "Come aboard and bring along." I was furious. I was very <laughs> mad. I loved that. Um, and so I really want them to stick with this, and then just keep building on the weirdness of that choreography with new people. I want, I want some more lifts in it. I want some spans. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Guys, that down. Let's move on to this, shall we? The Golden Globes has announced that they have added a bunch of new voting members, and they've finally included some diversity in that voting group. Now, for a long time, I have uh, let the world know that the Golden Globes is as useless as, as my father would say, tits on a bowl. Uh, there was just no purpose for it other than the fact that they put on a great award show. I mean, I'm the biggest attractor in the world of the Golden Globes, but even I got to say, they put on a good show, even though the awards themselves are not worth the paper they are printed on. Now, one of the big reasons that I always said the Golden Globes were kind of meaningless is exactly who votes on it. Like with the Academy Awards, the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences, seven to 8,000 Writers, directors, producers, musicians, craftspeople, uh, like people working in the people who make movies. Seven to eight thousand of them are the ones who vote on the movie awards. That's what makes it the most legitimate and the most valuable awards there is in film. Who voted on the Golden Globes? Well, for a long time, it was 60 people who were reporters for outlets that had offices in Los Angeles, but their outlets were based in other countries. The ho- that's the Hollywood Foreign Press. Uh, I actually qualified. I was notified that I qualified to join the Hollywood Foreign Press a number of years ago. I took a pass. Not, not that I would have gotten in even if I went through the application process at any rate. So they've been trying, and, and 
Then it came out like a whole bunch of problems. We won't go over the whole laundry list. Do you guys remember them? The whole bunch of laundry lists of all the problems in the Hollywood Foreign Press that ultimately led Tom Cruise to take all of his Golden Globes, put them in a box, put some tape on the box, and shipped it back to the Golden Globes and said, don't want them anymore. But one of the things that was interesting that came out that I think it was at the time that they had about 70-something members, and they're very secretive about their membership, came out that they didn't have like one black person in their entire group. Now, look, if you're a group of five, yeah, okay, five people. Like like you don't have some, okay, somebody from a certain ethnicity background. All right, that's fine. Once you get 10 people, you're like, Listen, really? if the Planeteers could do it, you can yeah, too. The Planeteers okay? could do it. Okay. That's a truly foreign but associated group. All right. Once you get 20 people and like no diversity, and then 30 people, by the time you get to 40, I'm starting to wonder if this is on purpose. And then you get to 50 people and 60 people and 70 people. Now it's just look, dude, this is a mathematical impossibility. You are purposefully keeping people out. So the big development, of course, happened a little while ago when the Hollywood Foreign Press and the Golden Globes got a new owner. Dick Clark Productions, I believe, is the new owner that came in, and they promised sweeping changes to make the Golden Globes relevant again. Well, they've taken a good first step. Uh, This comes to us from Variety that says this. The Golden Globes has added new members, bringing its voting total body to 300 people, which is better, that's better, uh, and 60% diversity, the organization announced on Monday. Our commitment to maintaining the diversity of our voting body continues, said Helen uh, Honey, uh, president of the Golden Globes, in a statement. Our voters represent 76 countries, bringing a unique international perspective on nominating the best in motion pictures and television this year. All right. Look, as the guy who has been the biggest vocal opponent of anything regarding the Golden Globes and what a pile of useless garbage they are, I have to concede and give credit where credit is due. These are good first steps. Number one, expand the voting body. Because here's the problem. When you get a voting body in the Academy Awards, it's like six, seven, eight thousand people. There's no, it's very, very difficult to undermine the process, right? You want to, but you know, with the Golden Globes, when they had like 65 members, all you had to do was fly like, 20 people out for a week's vacation in Paris and give them all like $5,000 bracelets, just 10 people, just, or or 20 people. That represents 33% of the voting body of the Golden Globes. You can buy whatever award you want. With the Academy, with a voting base of seven or 8,000 people, that becomes impractical. It becomes a lot more difficult. So you insulate the integrity of the awards with a larger base voting body. Uh, I also do like that the fact that they've oh, say, okay, we're not just a whites only club anymore. Uh, that's because if you're supposed to represent the global, you know, the foreign press, whatever. So look, I'm not sitting here telling you that the Golden Globes are suddenly on my map, but under new ownership, Got to give credit. I think they're taking the right steps right now to make this a more legitimate award thing. Now they just got to get of their fucking idiotic best blockbuster award that they're going to introduce this year, which is pathetic, by the way. Gold Globes, you're pathetic. (laughs) 
drop Aww, that Jonathan. right away and you might be on the right steps. Anyway, Chris, not pathetic, buddy. It's okay. <laughs> you read this stuff in Variety. What do you make of it? I think this is a great first step with this new ownership. Dick Clark Productions is moving forward, which is great because, yeah, with the Hollywood Foreign Associated Press, it can't just all be U.S.-based people who historically have been white and male, right? We need to diversify just because there's so many different types of storytellings out there. Just because we need to have all kinds of voices represented if it is truly going to be a global platform. So this new group, we've got 11 new members from Switzerland, Italy, Canada, Armenia, France, Egypt, Spain, the UK. Um, They've diversified tremendously where we've got now 47% of the voting body is female, 13% 13% is Latinx, or excuse me, 26% is Latinx, 13 is Asian, 11% is Black, 9% Middle Eastern. Um, we've got people now from uh, Cameroon, Costa Rica, Cuba, Guatemala, all kinds of stuff. This is fantastic. And the reason why this is important, and I know people are already going to bitch and moan in the comments, there's a certain type of person who will do this of like, well, what does diversity have to play into this? Shouldn't it only be qualified people? Yes, it should only be qualified people, but that doesn't mean there's only one type of person who's qualified. More importantly than that, again, once you get to 70, 80, 90, 100 members- When you're 300 members. You are purposefully excluding some of those most qualified people simply because they weren't white. Like, like I'm sorry, but that's, that's what it is. It's fine for five people, 10 people, okay, math, whatever. But once you get to 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 120, 140 people, and you got nobody that looks different, you are purposefully excluding some who would be more than qualified to be in there. And that's something that fortunately I mean, looks like Dick Clark production. Put it on a personal it. level. If you walked into a room and there were 300 people in there and they were all white males, or white, you'd be like, man, there's a lot of white people in here. Like, not even like Asian. Well, which is black, just weird when you live in a place Hispanic. like LA too, where you're yeah. like, <laughs> how did this how, happen? How did this happen? <laughs> like mathematically, someone should have got off like yeah. the bus and gotten over here and with everyone else. And nope. And that's not to discount the value of those other members who are Americans or who are male or who oh, are white. Of course not. Yeah. They have great opinions and we're really glad that they're in there too. We just want everyone chiming in about how these votes happen because that's what makes the best storytelling is when we have diversified stories in the first place. If we all have the exact same perspective on things, it doesn't help expand our viewpoint. One of my favorite things we've talked about on this show is how uh, Turning Red was such a wonderful film that all of us connected to. Yeah. Every single one of us in here found ways to connect to that movie. And that's not necessarily any of our story, right? But when you hear other stories from other people and you go, oh my gosh, I feel so connected to that. That is so relatable. That's what makes us all feel more connected as a global audience. That's where we get to find all those beautiful commonalities. And that's when film really thrives. Same with television, where we go, oh my gosh, isn't it beautiful that this medium can bring us together in such a tremendous way, no matter what walk of life we've taken. You know, there there are going to be some people, like you are pointing out, Chris, that are going to say, why does Dick Clark Productions have to force the Golden Globes yeah. to adopt a philosophy of inclusion? I'm telling you, that's not what they're doing. What Dick Clark Productions is doing is forcing the Golden Globes to get rid of their philosophy of exclusion. Yes. It's not forcing them to adopt a philosophy of inclusion. It's forcing them to say, hey, that agenda you've got of exclusion, you got to get rid of that agenda. You got to just get rid of it. Get rid of that bullshit you got to be open to the best people who are going to represent the global audience. So stop it. And, and that's what they're doing. And I think it's the right thing for them to do. Now they just got to get rid of that idiotic blockbuster award. All right. With that down, guys, let's uh, get into this, shall we? 
We all celebrated that the Writers Guild had reached a deal with the studios. And a part of that deal, a lot of the deal is very good. I think it's a very good balanced deal for everybody. But the residuals issue was a little bit weird because it was really more of a bonus system and there's a pretty high threshold for anybody to get residuals. Still, the question becomes though, as studios will often do, they will try to find a way to game the system. Is there a way that the studios can manipulate things to try to make as few writers as possible get residuals? That is the subject of today's Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. Listen, if you guys have a question for our show and you'd like to hear your voice on our show, go ahead and call it in anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 951-268-4259. And today's question is specifically about residuals. Check it out. Hey, John and crew. This is Clayton from Dallas, Texas. With the residuals or bonuses that you mentioned for writers based on the 20% viewership in the first 90 days released, will this affect how streamers release their shows? There have been some series that drop weekly, and the first episode really didn't do it for me, so I didn't tune in, even though I would go back and revisit it, and I was impressed later on. Whereas there were some shows that dropped everything at once, and I powered through some of the lulls or more boring episodes because it was something that I could bench. To me, this seems like a real gray area as far as a streamer having control about how they release a show. Thanks, and bring on the filthy. All right, Clayton, thanks a lot for calling that in. Yeah, so, I mean, the writers got this deal. Now, let's just put this into context and understand at least the very basics. I'm going to oversimplify this just for sake of time. But here's basically how, under the new deal, residuals for work for writers. Take a look at this. So, a show, let's say you launch a new show, you know, uh, P.P. Sampson and the Dynamic Gold Busters, right? Okay, P.P. Sampson and the Dynamic Gold Busters. I have no idea what that show's about, but here it is. I have an they, idea. <laughs> I, have a, I have a rough idea. Let's say drops P. on P. Max. <laughs> so here's the thing. That show has to get, in order for the writers to get any residuals, that show has to get a viewership that is equal to 20% of the streamer subscriber base within 90 days of the premiere. So PP needs a strong stream. A, a super strong stream, <laughs> oh buddy. I mean, you really need a strong I mean, you stream. Gave me, you gave me the pieces. I just put it together. You mean the PPs? Yeah. yeah, the peep. Oh, no, I'm, no, I'm not putting any PPs together. It's not that kind of show. We're live, but calm together. down. I'm just saying, that's what you're saying, right? Yes. We get it. Okay. The Thank PPs you. all add up. Needs yeah. a strong stream. Yes. In order to, all right. To get residuals. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, for example, Max has 50 million subscribers in North America. All right. So any new show (laughs) would have to get 10 million views because 10 million is 50% of 50 million. Math and all. That means that show, PB would have to get 10 million views in the first 90 days. Can we even say Pepe or something? You know what? I regret that I came up with that. Pepe. Pepe. Yes, we're going to go with Pepe. Okay. So Pepe needs to get 10 million views in the first 90 days of release to qualify for the residuals. All right. That's a pretty high standard. I mean, that's... So not a lot of shows are going to reach that, but what... Clayton is asking here is very, very interesting. Considering it has to be done within the first 90 days, you got to hit that 20 million views in the first 90 days. That means shows that are hitting it big right now, like Suits, well, that wouldn't qualify because Suits came out like seven years ago. So it wouldn't qualify. It has to be within 90 days of the premiere, right? All right. 
So different streamers have different release philosophies. Netflix has an antiquated streaming philosophy of kind of dropping all the, sh all the episodes at once. All the statistics have proved that that's not the right way to do it. Um, I mean, this, it's not even up for debate anymore. That All the statistics and the numbers have proven that's not the right way to do it. And we're starting to see Netflix start to experiment. But still, for now, for the most part, they drop all the episodes at once. Other things like HBO and Disney, for the most part, they will drop one episode a week, which gives it a much longer life and gets more people on board. Because here's what got proved out. For shows on Netflix that drop all the episodes at once, the data showed, I think it was The Wrap that did this thing, that if people don't start watching that show within the first eight days of when it drops, the chances of them ever checking it out drops by like 80%. I first really recognized this. Remember, uh, I almost said Daredevil, but Punisher. I still remember Punisher season two was coming out on Netflix and everybody was hyped about it. We were still at AMC at the time and everybody was psyched or it might've been Collider by then, but whatever. Everybody was psyched about Punisher season two. Punisher season one was great. All our viewers were calling in and, and writing in and everyone was excited about it. And then Punisher season two dropped and I thought it was awesome. And everybody raved for about 48 hours. And after those 48 hours, Nobody talked about it anymore. Like within about two or three days, weeks of talking about Punisher before it came out. And then within about two or three days, everybody had seen it. Everybody said, this show's awesome. And then nobody talked about it again. And there were no new episodes coming because they dropped them all at once. Unlike say, go back and take WandaVision, for example, where literally the John Campion show could have been renamed the John Campion WandaVision show for about <laughs> two and a half months because yep. every week there was a new thing, new audiences. Like by episode four, there were still a bunch of people going, well, everybody's talking about it. I might as well check it out. So could a streaming service try to manipulate the release schedule or let me even get more nefarious? What's to stop Netflix or Disney Plus, Peacock? Say, great, we're debuting Pepe. That's right. On uh, February 2nd. Make sure you tune in for episode two on March 2nd <laughs> and episode three in April 2nd and episode, and then 90 days is gone. Now that is very unlikely to happen. That is not in the streamer's best interest, but it's just there to illustrate a point that there could be ways that streamers could look to manipulate the way they do their releases to maximize viewership after 90 days and maybe minimize it a little bit in the first 90 days. Again, that might not be in their best interest. Maybe their best interests do align with the writer's best interest. Hey, we want the writers to get those residuals because that means our show's a big success. That's the idea. But listen, we're talking about a Hollywood studio system that is very creative in their accounting, <laughs> right? We've known that forever. And listen, don't pretend like you aren't either. All oh, you guys will come tax time. Oh, yeah, let's deduct that. Yeah, you all do it. We all do it. Yeah. But the studios are right off. Your race is like, yeah. Oh, you know. But what. studios do it on a much bigger scale because if they can find a way to save an extra buck, they will. Chris, I mean, I yell at cocktails. I go, someone ask me an acting question. <laughs> and then I write it off. 
What? <laughs> How? How do you think, like, act. with these deals done, and now you got the actors actually in negotiations yes. now with the studios, and mm -hmm. at that at least, hey, that negotiations seem to be going well. As yeah. long as they keep meeting, to me, that means it's going well. So it seems to be going well. I mean, is can you see a way here that the studios could maybe try to manipulate the release system to to say, oh, too bad we got. You got 19.9% of the viewership in the first 90 days, but it's day 91 now. Whoopsie I don't know doodles. what you think. There's definitely wiggle room for some things to be taken advantage of here. And, and to be clear, the WGA, they did get some historic gains here, right? When it came to the oh, writer's room, stuff. where it came to the use of AI, all of those things. They ultimately traded transparency for the numbers they wanted, mm. And I don't know if SAG is going to go completely into that. There was a really great op-ed piece a couple of days ago in the LA Times about this of the time to leverage is now and we should really push because SAG ultimately asked for a 2% share of streaming revenue, 2%. Now to put that into context, NBA players who are tremendous athletes and, and very, very gifted individuals who work incredibly hard, they recently, back in April, got 49 to 51% of basketball-related income, which is ticket sales, TV rights, concessions, etc. That's about 50% of stuff, right? 2%. 2% to the entire casts of things is what people are asking for here. So I don't know if this kind of net window bonus, really, is what it is, is going to work in in terms of what SAG actually wants, which is just compensating their actors for being part of a show. And I think that window doesn't leave a really great amount of room for people to, to get what they need to live. I do believe that things should be success-based. I do believe in that metric. And that was one of the things that I was talking about with other people about residuals here is, well, we need to have the transparency because yeah, if people aren't watching the show, I shouldn't get paid. I shouldn't get paid more money if no one's tuning in. If tons of people are tuning in and ad revenue is being generated and things like that, then I should get a piece of that pie because I'm part of the thing that made that. And you guys cut me out of so much of the pay at the beginning. You pay me a small day rate for my, you know, 12 hours of work that ultimately ends up most of the time being below minimum wage. And then I have the opportunity to make money based on the success of my project. So I don't know if this model is going to be a complete copy paste for us. I do see SAG probably trying to leverage this a little bit of, we know you're doing this, but we're a larger entity. And while you obviously can't make movies without writers, you also can't make big budget movies that bring in a lot of revenue without big stars. So I think they're probably going to try to leverage just a little bit more. We did go back to the negotiation table yesterday, taking a break today, going back tomorrow. I'm happy that they're kind of just finding that rhythm, getting in there and everything. But I'm not thrilled ultimately with what the WGA got. So I hope we make a few little tweaks there. All right, guys. With that all down, we've got a bunch of Loki stuff that we need to talk about. A Marvel executive's talking about the future plans for Thor and Loki together. The runtimes apparently have come out, at least reportedly come out, for the Loki episodes, and it sounds pretty good. And speaking of Loki, the reviews and reactions to season two are coming out, and they surprisingly sound pretty fantastic. We're going to talk about that in a bunch more, but first we're going to take a quick break and thank a couple of sponsors of today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast. Our friends at Vessi and HelloFresh. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, 
Vessi. Now, you guys know I'm not exactly the most fashion-conscious guy in the world, but I love a great pair of shoes that are comfortable and I can wear almost anywhere. And growing up in Canadian winters when my feet got wet a lot, waterproof would be nice too. Enter Vessi. They make the claim that they're not just fashionable and super comfortable, they're also waterproof. Now, you guys remember, when I got my first pair of Vessis, I put them to the ultimate waterproof test. I actually stuck my foot in my pool, my feet stayed dry, and the shoes stayed dry. Incredible. And they're the most comfortable pair of shoes I ever owned. Well, that made me want another pair. So I got another pair of Vessis that look great and just equal that world-class comfort that I got from that first pair shoes. They are absolutely my favorite shoes that I've ever owned. Imagine your favorite sneaker style supercharged with waterproof technology and unmatched comfort. No matter how you like to stay active, Vessi has the shoes for you. Trail-ready high tops, effortless slip-ons, and classic court shoes, all with a waterproof twist. They are just as comfortable and stylish as your favorite sneakers, but even more versatile. So if you're like me and you want good-looking shoes that are ready for anything rain or shine, make sure you go to Vessi.com slash Campia and get yourself a pair today. Go to Vessi.com dot com slash campia and get shoes for your best summer yet guys we want to thank a sponsor of this video hello fresh with hello fresh you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep skip trips to the grocery store and count on hello fresh to make home cooking easy fun and affordable that's why it's america's number one meal kit kickstart a fresh fall routine with hello fresh hello fresh handles all the meal planning and shopping to deliver everything you need to cook up a tasty meal right at home they do the hard part and you get to take the credit hello fresh takes the stress out of mealtime by delivering fresh ingredients and easy recipes right to your door. So this fall, skip that extra trip to the grocery store and have dinner ready in no time with America's number one meal kit. Like we've mentioned before, Ann and I are both working professionals and mealtime is sometimes a bit stressful. That's why we absolutely love HelloFresh. It's nutritious, it's delicious, and we actually have a really good time making dinner together. So guys, Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Campia and use the code 50Campia for 50% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash 50Campia and use the code 50Campia for 50% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And thank you to our friends at Vessi and HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show podcast. All right, guys, that down. Let's get into this, shall we? Apparently, Marvel has future plans for Thor and Loki together. Now, look, I'm going to tell you, one of my favorite things about the MCU is the sibling relationship between Thor and Loki. I loved it right from the very first Thor movie that Kenneth Branagh directed. I I love that movie. I think it's one of the most underappreciated comic book films ever made. I love how their relationship started to evolve and grow. And then ultimately, you know, when Loki died the eight times... Um, but, but the last time he died when he was, no, no, wait, the last time he died was in Loki season one. And then he was actually in that other dimension, but the two times ago that he died at the beginning, I think it was infinity war when, you know, Loki was actually trying to save his brother, ended up getting his neck broken by Thanos who said no resurrections this time. (laughs) <laughs> Joke's on you, Thanos, because Loki's back again. <laughs> but we've all been wondering that. We saw how that broke Thor's heart, and I've been looking forward to seeing the 17th reunion between Thor and Loki, and, and is that something we're going to get? 
Is that ever going to be a part of the plans? Well, according to a Marvel executive, that is something Marvel is working towards. Uh, this came to us from Marvel executive Kevin Wright, who said this. I think the sun shining on Loki and Thor once again. I love that line that when Loki says to Thor, the sun will shine on us again, brother. Anyway, I think the sun shining on Loki and Thor once again has always been the priority of the story that we're telling. But uh, for that meeting to really be fulfilling, we have to get Loki to a certain place emotionally. I think that's been the goal of these two seasons. I love that he said this. Number one, that he's saying like the whole goal, the priority of this story that we're telling is about getting Thor and Loki back together again. And that the whole goal of these two seasons has been getting Loki back into an emotional place where that reunion can happen and hopefully have the most impact. Now, I have always loved when these guys hate each other and I love it when they love each other. I mean, there's just something about this relationship and that dynamic um, that has been so incredible. And not only that, but the dynamic and relationship between Tom Hiddleston and Chris Hemsworth at, at all. Like a lot of people, some of you may not know that Tom Hiddleston, the way he got into the Marvel thing here is he was one of the finalists to play Thor. Chris Hemsworth got it though. They had a great relationship. Marvel loved Tom Hiddleston. They went, well, what if we made you Loki? And the rest is history. Mm -hmm. Because... I mean, I'm not going to say Tom Hiddleston as Loki is necessarily up there with Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man or Chris Evans as Steve Rogers, but I'm telling you what, it's hard for me to imagine what the MCU looks like without Tom Hiddleston playing Loki. I mean, he's just been brilliant in it. So I love hearing this. It does tell me that Loki season two does not end with Loki dying for the ninth time. Uh, which is fine by me. I just want to see these guys on screen together again. Chris, I mean, maybe an argument can be made that we've had lots of Loki and Thor together over the course of the MCU. Do we really need more? I say yes, yes but I don't do. know. What do you think? Yes, we do. And also, I would absolutely posture that Loki is, or Tom Hiddleston is Loki specifically, is a top five MCUer. I mean, who else brought Hall H to complete oh. silence by just... Oh, that moment. That moment still gives me chills. It's one of the greatest Comic-Con moments of all time. Tom Hiddleston walking on that stage in Hall H and Loki says, you know, I am Loki of Asgard and I'm burdened, burdened with, with glorious, glorious purpose. purpose. I, I, I think that might be the best Comic-Con moment ever. Oh yeah, it was brilliant. And he's talked so much too about how he loves this role so much and he feels so intrinsically tied to Loki now. And I just, I view him as him. But I love when these two are together. They have such wonderful chemistry. I loved all of their <laughs> different kind of like plans and moves that they had in Ragnarok. I don't care what anyone says about Dark World. I loved the building of that relationship too. It's one of the few really good things about that movie. It is yeah. where you explore that resentment more and why Loki would even feel this way about him and why Thor is still trying to fight to earn this brother who resents him so much. It's beautifully done and they um, they have such a good good time together and I want more of that especially because it was so heartbreaking for Thor Thor's lost everyone. He now has love, obviously, but he lost all of his, you know, nuclear family. Yeah. And 
one, you can just have a lot of fun with how much he's missed him and then still just like smacking the shit out of his brother and being like, why are you always pretending to be dead? Why? Why does this always happen? You little scamp. I think it'd be a really lovely thing to see them together. And I like you, I love that phrasing of bringing back that sun will shine line here because I think that is the dynamic we really, really like. For me personally, it was never Thor and his romantic relationships it was always no, that's never been the part that worked. No, it's always been the brotherhood. And that's what I've really enjoyed seeing. And I want to get back to that. Actually, when you think about Thor and really what that character has lost, let's let's go down the scorecard here. His mother was killed, his father's died, his brothers died eight times. As much as she was the enemy, his sister died. His three closest friends in the world, the Warriors Three, all murdered and died. The one person, he, then Jane died. Jane? <laughs> Jane? <laughs> but, and then the one person he still has in his life is Lady Sif. I mean, that, but that's it. Out of, look, his three best friends, his love, his mother, his father, his, I mean, he's. Plus Asgard. And, and oh yeah. I mean, Asgard. his actual home. His gone. home. Yeah. Like, like, like this guy as much as people jump on that he's the lightest and the goofiest of the characters, no character in the MCU has lost what he has lost. And it's and if they can give him that reunion with Loki, I would love to see it. All right. That down, guys. Let's move on to this, but stick with the Loki theme here. Apparently, according to reports, the run times for at least the first half of the episodes of Loki season two have come out. Now, listen, one of the biggest weaknesses of Disney Plus stuff is... Hey, Disney, tell us you don't have any idea how to make TV shows without saying you don't have any idea how to make TV shows. Let's make six episodes stuff with about 30 minutes of runtime each. Yeah, it's awful. With five I turn minutes on, of credits. What's that? <laughs> with five minutes of credits. And five minutes of credits on top of that. You know, I tune into real event television. You turn into <laughs> The Last of Us. You tune into House of the Dragon. Hell, Jenny Taylor v. at football. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Taylor at football. Or... Gen V just launched on Amazon. Yeah. Proper length episodes, real event television. And Disney's been pretty pathetic uh, at that, to be honest with you. But according to a report, and I can't vouch for its validity, but a lot of the outlets are running with this. <laughs> the the runtime for the first three, uh, four episodes have come out. And as of right now, they're saying episode one is 45 minutes. 39 minutes minus credits, uh, which tells me there might be a post-credit scene in that first episode because that that seems to have a longer gap between actual runtime and the uh, the pre-credit runtime. Anyway, episode two, oh, 49 right. minutes. Episode three, 53 minutes. Episode four, 48 minutes. Okay. Are any of these what I think are a proper length? Eh, maybe episode three. But... It's at least, if this ends up being true, this is at least a big step in the right direction for runtimes. Because listen, again, I've, I'm always saying about movies in particular, there's no runtime that's the right runtime. Longer doesn't equal better, shorter doesn't equal worse, and vice versa. But when you're making television, you're making something that's supposed to be event television. If you don't have a story to tell, this was the big thing with their with Disney's Obi-Wan series. They did not have a story that was appropriate for a television series. They had a story that was appropriate for an hour and 45 minute movie. 
And that's the way they should have done it. And apparently Disney doesn't know how to do it any other way. If you don't have an appropriate story for a proper event level television show, then don't do it. Make it something else. But, I mean, if this is the type of thing they're working towards, if they do have the story for it, I mean, I'm all for it. So listen, 45-minute, 49-minute, 53-minute, 48-minute, that does not automatically equal that Loki Season 2 will be better than Loki Season 1. But it's at least good in and of itself, and to me, it's a promising thing. Chris, you see these runtimes. Any surprises? Does it move the needle for you at all? What do you think? I have been burned before. (laughs) (laughs) And... I enjoyed the first season of Loki, but I am going into this cautiously optimistic. I'm not going to get my hopes up. I'm not going to be too concerned about how things are going to play out. I'm just going to let it unfold, and then I will judge. Come on, this is going to be the best series ever. <laughs> don't Get don't, on the bandwagon don't here, Don't let Chris. me set me up like that. <laughs> YOLO into it, man. <laughs> don't make do me hope. Yeah, the hope is what kills you. <laughs> uh, here's hoping that it actually means... Not just that they have extra minutes, but they have enough meat in this story to actually tell a proper series. But we'll find out. All right. With that down, guys, let's stick on the Loki topic and move into this. The first reviews and reactions for Loki Season 2 have come out, and they are surprisingly very, very good. Now, look, I am not going to be facetious here. I, Loki is one of my favorite characters in the MCU. Maybe my second or third favorite character in the MCU after Steve Rogers. I did not love Loki season one. I, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't think anything Marvel on Disney Plus has been all that great other than WandaVision and Miss Marvel. Those have been the only two great things they've had. They've had some decent things, some pretty good things like uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, like Loki season one. And they've had a lot of garbage. Just recently, we had Secret Invasion. So I don't have the highest amount of excitement for any new DC or a MCU project coming out on Disney Plus, to be honest with you. And I didn't think Loki Season 1 was great. It certainly didn't do justice to the great character. But man, these first reactions are coming out and they're sounding pretty good. We're going to go over to the direct who have quoted some people. Uh, Comicbook.com wrote, Loki season two rules. The first four episodes have a thrilling, by the way, it sounds like a bunch of these critics were shown the first four episodes. So more than the first one or two, which is what Disney normally lets them see, but they gave them the first four, still not the whole series, but still. Loki season two rules. The first four episodes have a thrilling time traveling mystery and charm. Some of the TVA sci-fi jargon is hard to follow. The cast is tremendous together. The sets are great. Overall, it's awesome. Hoping episodes five and six stick the landing because they're doing their pathetic six episode thing. Anyway, and yes, Ki-Yu Kwan is brilliant in Loki. His character has a key role in season two. He brings so much charm and joy to the show. Brilliant chemistry with the rest of the cast. It's good for me to hear because the trailers made it look like he was in a cameo and just doing one scene. Uh, Eric Davis from Fandango wrote, I love Loki. I've watched the first four episodes and Loki continues to be my favorite MCU show. This season has a more frantic pace to it, which keeps tension high the entire time. Still brainy and weird with great chemistry among its cast. Ki-Hu Kwan is a big scene stealer, of course, but the story full of time travel, which doesn't uh, excite me. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Timelines, trickery, and a guy named Timely is reminiscent of Marvel Studios at its best and most entertaining. Episodes five and six are going to be wild. Uh, Phase Zero write, I had a blast at the Loki launch event. I only stayed 
uh, for the first episode because I want to remain a woman of the people. Phase zero, but I loved it. Uh, the direction and cinematography blew me away. I miss Tom and Owen so much. Kihu Kwan, MVP. So, I mean, and it goes on. It, it just keeps going on and the positive stuff. And look, again, I, I tend to be a little dubious about the Disney Plus shows getting first reactions. Again, they only show them a couple of episodes. This is two-thirds of the series, so I'll, I'll give them that. Again, I just, I don't think the Loki trailers have been great. I did not love the first season. But I will tell you what, these are getting me a little stoked. And we are two days away, 48 hours away from Loki season two debuting, uh, coming out on Thursday and at primetime, not dropping at midnight, which is great. And I think that experiment they did with Ahsoka clearly has worked for them. Yeah. As all of us, you guys at home, us, we all knew it would. They did it for me. <laughs> Just like, for you. Chris, we know you don't want um, to stay up. <laughs> so, yeah, listen, fantastic stuff out there. I remain a little skeptical. But my hope springs eternal. I hope we do get a Loki season that is truly worthy of this character. Chris, you hear about this. Where are your expectations right now for the season? And have these reviews we've heard coming out and some of the commentary we're hearing helped move the needle at all? Most shocking thing. Quan is charming and scene-stealing? What? Who saw <laughs> what? that coming? He's perfect. He's wonderful at everything. I love him so much. Oh, I'm glad that he's not in there just for a blip, though. By the way, Academy Award winner. Academy Award winner. Oh, I adore him. What a great guy. I, oh, see, I'm trying to, I'm trying to just be like, no, it's going to be fine. I'll watch the show. It ticks so many of my boxes. It's got time travel, which I love. And I know you don't, but I freaking love time, time travel so much. I love wibbly wobbly timey lines. So I really, really want this <laughs> to be happened. good. Wibbly, it's, it's a Doctor wobbly. Who reference. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I like yeah. it. So I really want this to stick the landing. I really want this to be good. But again, I have been burned before and yeah. I don't want to get my hopes up. So I am excited about it. I'm with you that the trailers haven't looked great. It's been a lot of hair flips. It's been a lot, <laughs> a lot of hair of flipping. Hair flips. Um, don't play the drinking game. You will die. You he will really die. He his color scheme. Um, it's very Wes Anderson. <laughs> yeah. of just If Wes Anderson was doing sci-fi, I feel yeah. like it's that kind of aesthetic right there. Complete with Owen Wilson. So it's perfect. But I'm just trying to I'm trying to just tamper those expectations. So look, the look, the MCU on Disney Plus has been overall a disappointment. Again, a couple of great things, but most of the stuff they've put on there has either just failed to live up to expectations or not really met their potential or just been bad, you know? So the question then becomes: <clears throat> let's say Loki season two is fantastic. All right. Let's play this game for a second. Could that mean or be the first step in the MCU getting back on track? Because one could argue that Loki season two is the second major step leading towards Avengers Kang Dynasty. The first step was a flop, was a failure, which was Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, right? So that didn't work out so well. That didn't get anybody excited for a Kang Dynasty movie. So, but if this one's great, could that reignite some excitement? Could that reignite the hope that we have? Could that reignite what we as moviegoers have been used to, which is being excited for the next Avengers movie? And I'm going to say, you know what? It Maybe it can. Because you got Loki in here, 
who's a far more popular. I, mean, I love Paul Rudd's Ant-Man. Love Paul Rudd's Ant-Man. But he's not Loki. So you got one of the absolute franchise favorites in the show that a lot of people are looking forward to. If they can knock this out of the park and if they can do stuff with Kang in it that's meaty, then maybe it can be the redo on the first step towards Avengers Kang Dynasty and getting people looking forward to that. Because right now, Chris, I just feel like a lot of people are like me, a little disillusioned with the MCU at the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, we we know how good the MCU can be because they did it for years. And maybe this can be the promise. I, like, okay, look, if you end up loving this show, let's say you do. Argument's sake, let's jump forward six weeks and you love Loki season two. How does that change your outlook overall of where the MCU's at right now? Oh, it definitely would reinvigorate how I'm feeling about everything. Because Loki is such a wonderful kind of blueprint for what a Marvel villain should be, in my mm. opinion. And Marvel, for a long time, has had a villain problem where they've all kind of ended up being these jobbers who are one-off movie characters or one-off TV show characters. And the strongest ones we've had, Loki has stuck around and has had a beautiful redemption arc. Others, you know, Kilgrave, if we're going Netflix, killed off, right? And that was a wonderful, powerful character who had real consequences and could take down any super-powered individual. Other people we've had pop up, God Butchers, big gods like Dormammu, you know, things like this that are, are huge, all-encompassing evils are one and dones. And Kang promises a real threat that should go on for several films, right? Loki is such a great gateway to that because he was our big bad who connected mm, us to yeah. all of the worst things then. He was our gateway to Thanos, ultimately. And it's really beautiful to see him come full circle and try to be that better man, try to be the kingly figure that he always viewed himself to be, but with actual care and compassion for others as opposed to seeking power and dominance for himself. And I think that's such a great juxtaposition against Kang, who feels that he is the right ruler, the right fit to govern the universe and all timelines. So if it works, oh man, could it be really cool? If it doesn't, what a what a warm fart on a cold toilet seat. But let's, ex let's explore that. I'm doing the... Let's explore that fart. Uh, let's explore the warm fart. Yes. Which is, we talked about, okay, if it's great, get it changed. But could it the opposite be true? Let's say Loki season two is horrible. Again, we're just talking theoretical like we were talking theoretical if it's great. Yeah. I, I wonder if the consequences could be that Kang Dynasty's dead in the water. Because they already blew the first step towards Kang Dynasty and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. If mm -hmm. they blow Loki season two, I mean, they are really digging themselves in a hole. Absolutely. They're setting up an event. And so far, we've stumbled for the first few steps after the gun's gone off, right? Right. We really need to pick up that momentum and really fire off. Otherwise, you can't have an event film if there's no buildup towards it. Oh, I agree. Look at how the Endgame film happened. We need that momentum. All right, guys. With that all down, we are now going to move over and take questions and topics from our beloved supporters, our YouTube channel members. We have a bunch of YouTube channel members around here, and every day we ask them to send in some topics, and we get through as many as we can. But before we get to that, we're going to take another quick second here and thank another sponsor of today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast, our friends at Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, 
Mint Mobile. Signing your life away to a big wireless provider is kind of like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell. Sure, it looks like fun at first. They probably even threw in a free phone, but now you can't get off. Month after month of insane bills and unexpected thrills, like overages and surprise fees. If that sounds like your current big wireless plan, it's time to get off the ride with Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just 15 bucks a month. You guys know before I came to Mint Mobile, I was paying triple what I am paying now on the standard big wireless plan, and I will never go back. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com dot com slash campia cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at mint mobile for sponsoring the john campia show podcast all right guys we're now going to go over and take your questions uh oopsie we made a mistake see we accidentally <laughs> had super chats turned on and they're not supposed to be turned on for the john campia show podcast that's for open mic uh but somebody did send in a super chat so we're going to answer that one first what was the super chat that got sent in here we go from seconds from disaster i need to see more but i think i might like gen v better than the boys how do they keep making amazing stories every episode has me like what the fuck i'll tell you what i i mean we raved about it yesterday i i, I, I still I, haven't watched oh my god i sunday night I was like, I got to watch this before Monday's show. So I, the plan was, because it was later in the evening, mm -hmm. that I was going to watch one episode and I'd get back to episodes two and three, maybe today or yesterday, whatever. And I could not stop watching. Mm. Like I was up till two in the morning watching the first three episodes. Damn. And then at the bottom corner says episode four. I'm like, oh, a fourth episode's come out. I'm staying up till three. But it was just a preview for okay. the next episode. So I, I cannot believe how good this show is. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked how good the show is because while I had faith in it, cause you know, Eric Kripke and all that kind of stuff is, is doing his thing. I, yeah, I expected it to be good, but it's still, it's a spinoff. Yeah. It's, it's going to be the characters are deep and rich and are multiple shades of gray and they all have their own motivations and they all have, they create this incredible collection of wonderful characters. I said this to Rob yesterday, take out the superpowers and take out anything comic booky. This show is still a great show that I would watch just because of the characters. It's Ooh. I cannot wait for you to watch it. Okay. Uh, I I want to hear your reaction to I'm it really because pumped. it's fantastic. I don't know that I'm ready to say that I like it more than the boys, mm -hmm. but I am shocked how good I think Gen V is. Yeah. It's really crazy. Sweet. All right. What do we got next? Now we got tips. From CJ Rebirth, I finished the third season of Only Murders and it was awesome. Meryl Streep and Paul Rudd were great guest stars, and the chemistry between Steve Martin, uh, Steve Martin Short, and Selena is fantastic. Well, and to go along with that, uh, just before we started the show today, uh, it's been made official. Uh, Only Murders in the Building has been greenlit for season four. Yeah. So there was some question about that, but uh, apparently it is coming back for season four. I can watch Steve Martin and Martin Short on screen together in an interview. On stage, by the way, they got a, a show that they tour around. Yes, that is pretty spectacular. My mother-in-law went and saw them, I think, and she the way, like, loved them. Did you see that Chevy Chase was just recently asked about the possibility of a Three Amigos reunion in Only Murders in the Building with him? 
There's there was big headline, but I didn't read the story. So I was going to ask if any of you heard if Chevy no. Chase said he's going to go do. Only You're going to say they're doing like a three miles. It's like I don't think he can get on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, only murders make sense. That would happen. Yeah, I need to catch up. I haven't seen the final episode, but the last one I watched because this season I've been kind of like oh, it's good, but it's not as good. The last episode I watched was so phenomenal. Mm. I can't wait to finish that. I still haven't watched season three. I, oh. I, I just, be, I got to get around to watching it's season It's real good. Three. It's real good. All right. What's next? From Aaron. Hey, John and crew. We see trailers for movies on TV, but do you think we'll ever see trailers for TV shows in movie theaters? TV shows are bigger now than they ever were. Love to know your thoughts. Well, I mean, in a way we kind of already do. Like, look, if a movie is supposed to start at seven, which it never does, um, and if you get into the theater, like before the stated started showtime, they'll have these pre-show things playing. And quite often there'll be ads for, for television shows. Oh. They'll be in there. So that's often there, but an actual trailer for a TV show during the trailer time. No, you're never going to see it. Why? It's not because I don't think TV studios wouldn't be interested in promoting their television shows there. It's the movie theaters. The movie theaters won't allow it. It's like, why would we promote something that takes people out of our movie theaters? And you know what? I don't blame them at all. Like, you, if you're not going to act in your own best interest, nobody else will. So for that, I, I don't think we're ever going to see that happen. Although, I'm about to make Scott Manson Rob very proud of me. Uh-oh, got a movie date? In 1986. Uh-oh. <gasps> Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Oh! They played it. And Star Trek The Next Generation trailer played before the movie started. Ooh. That makes sense. And it makes sense, but it yeah, was a movie thing, synergy. but yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, what's next? I also dated myself. I was going to say, that wasn't an idea. <laughs> uh, from Fanjecture. Happy to see Only Murders was renewed for season four. I really enjoyed this season, right behind season one, but ahead of season two. They dialed out the comedy back a bit, but leaned heavily into the murder mystery story. <laughs> My question is, how many people get murdered in this building, and why would you still live there? <laughs> Listen, it's like Gotham. If you can find a rent controlled place in New York, come on. Come on. <laughs> Just keep your head down. You'll be fine. Hey, there's a lot of people yeah. dying in this building. Listen, if it helps keep my rent low, I will go <laughs> through an obituary and be like, okay, move here. All right, what's next? I have very low standards. From Red One Real Talk, I'm never prepared for how the boy subverts your expectations, and Gen V has just kept this super house rolling. I was not ready to see a character I thought was teed up to be another Homelander take a very different turn. Uh, oh, again, I'll, I'll tell you what I, I just every I can't think of a single character they showed us in that show that I am not deeply fascinated by. Uh, and I think after three episodes, you'll you'll see when when you get up to it, Chris. Mm -hmm. But there's a character called Cricket, and who you first meet and you think, oh, this is going to be the stereotypical bubbly roommate girl who does this every once in a while. But as, and that's what I thought, but as the show progresses, I'm like, she might be my favorite character in this show. Like all of them have, oh, it's just so good. It's so good. All right. What's next? From Alan, I can't be a crew if Loki turns out to be good. Can yes. we finally, can we finally say it's game day again? I feel like it's been a while since we got a good game day. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. I, it, listen, I can't remember. I think it might have been Ms. Marvel that the last time that I was truly excited about a new episode of something dropping on Disney+. Plus. To be fair, we've been excited about a lot of episodes dropping the first time. Yeah, and well, then, series and then, starting. Yeah, and then it's game day. 
Yeah. So it's like, okay, yeah, I like the first episode of that. I'm still but watching. There are so no good. more game days. Yeah. I mean, I just, <laughs> here's hoping. Here's hoping. But I'll tell you what, uh, new game day for me is Gen V. Gen V is my game day right now. Then I am now counting down the minutes to the next episode of Gen V dropping. I don't even know when that is. I don't Thursdays? I believe it's Thursdays. Thursdays or Fridays? Happy days. Like, yeah, that that's my game day right now is is that. And hopefully Loki will become Too that many as well. people in my life are being really selfish and getting married. So <laughs> I've had bridal showers and I've got weddings this weekend. Gosh, you guys, I've got TV to watch. Come on. Get your priorities straight. All Lord. right. What's next? From Fett's Hand. I just read Killers of the Flower Moon and I'm now excited to see the movie. Are any of you looking forward to seeing it? Oh, we've, uh, we've talked yeah. about this movie incessantly <laughs> sure. yeah. on this show. Yeah. By the way, Jonathan, see if you can... Uh, uh, amp up the uh, the size of the text uh, on the screen there, if possible. But um, I we have been talking about that movie incessantly. Uh, first of all, I it's a new Martin Scorsese movie. Check just right away. Yeah. Oh, it's got his two all time muses, Leonardo DiCaprio and um, De Niro. De Niro in working it. together for the first time. Working together. Check uh, about this real historical horrible event. His check. The trailers have been intense and moving. Check. I cannot wait for this movie. I, I'm, I'm really stoked for it. All right. What's next? Real quick shout out to XY28 in the chat. Gen V is on Thursdays is when it drops. Thursday and drop. Yeah. Well, then I got two things to watch on Thursday. Yeah. Loki's episode one and uh, Gen V episode four. What a game day. That is a true game day. It is. From Dan, anybody watching the new season of Wheel of Time? Season one was rocky at times, but this new season is spectacular on par with some of the seasons of Game of Thrones, in my opinion. Oh, wow. Really happy with where the show is going and can't wait for the season finale this Thursday. Thursday? Whoa, big day. Wow. <laughs> That's a big... Um, it's must-see TV. Here's the thing. I watched season one in its entirety, and it was good enough that I kept watching. But I'd be lying to you if I said at any time between the end of season one and now that I've been excited for season two. So I've not gotten around to watching season two. I do plan on it. But everybody I've heard is saying that it is decidedly better than season one was. Okay. Which, and again, I thought season one was decent. I thought it was good. It was good enough to keep me watching. And everybody's saying it's that much better. Yeah, I've, I'm, but I, I think I have to wait until after uh, Gen V is done. But we'll, but I'll get around to it. All right. Check this out, John. It's at 5 p.m. too on Thursdays. So an hour earlier than Ooh. everything else. Oh, so we get to watch Gen V at five. Yep. And then we can watch Loki at six. Good timing. Good timing. I think right. Pee Pee comes on at seven. So <laughs> what comes on at seven? Pee Pee. Oh, no, no, yeah. in between, in between that. Tune in for the season premiere of Pee Pee. Only on Cockmax. <laughs> All right. What's next? From Baylor Girl. Hi, John and crew. With the upcoming Killers of the Flower Moon, I wonder if Martin Scorsese comes after Taylor Swift the way he has on the superhero movies. The Swifty army is quite powerful. This may be scary. LOL. Thoughts? Well, I mean, look. <laughs> you would never. If. <laughs> If Taylor Swift put out 23 movies over the next three years, mm -hmm. then maybe he would. But this is one this is one concert film coming out. So, no, I... Now, look, if this comes out and then the Beyonce movie comes out in December, but again, that's what I said. Other than Taylor Swift, who can do it? Maybe Beyonce? There's I, talk of Lady Gaga, but I don't think it... I don't know that I, Lady Gaga's big enough anymore. But I, I think we're like... These things are going to happen and they're going to be distributed... They're not going to be on the same as Taylor. Like that, yeah. it started off huge. It's not going to be that big forever or go like Yeah, and larger. Taylor's not, and, and even. But that's fine. 
Eris isn't going to make a billion no, dollars in the box to, office. Though. Yeah, so no, I don't think you have to worry about Martin Scorsese. Not to mention, point. he's guilty of directing a concert film. He did The Last Waltz. So. I was going to say, yeah. he's done tons of music documentaries too. Yeah. So I feel like he's, if so he, he says anything, anything about anything this, against this, it's going to be all. more respectful. No. Yeah. If anything, he might be their opening night. Yeah. All right. Let's do two more. What's next? Okay. From uh, GK. Hi, John. Are you going uh, enjoying the Continental Show finale episode this Friday? <laughs> I haven't, haven't started watching it. All right, so Thursday and Friday. Here yeah, I, it's, here's the problem. I was really stoked about it. Then I heard a lot of uh, eh, things about it coming out. That's a bummer. And I'm not, you know, it's just, so it took some of the wind out of my sails. So, but, but also one of the other things that has held me back is that Anne and I don't often have free time together. And when we do, look, because Anne, be, besides being vice president of a major international ad agency, she's also a doctrinal student program of doctoral she's doing both at the same time and so there's a lot of stuff that takes up her time and so it's when we do have free time together we like to go out but continental is one of the shows that we've said we're watching this together right so we've we got to wait till we can have time to watch at the same time all right last question of the day what's next all right can we do real quick one before that it's just really quick this sure. one from jg because he's in the hospital oh okay oh. Uh, Second J- one down JG there. JG Trey, currently in a hospital bed waiting for the show to start. Just wanted to say thank you for everything you guys do. The entire crew, John, Chris, Ray, and Jonathan. I can't imagine trying to get through this day without it. Oh, JG, oh, I hope you feel better. I hope you're okay. Yeah, I hope you do well. Like, I I, I have to go to the hospital myself uh, this week. Uh, not for, I'm sure, not for anything uh, tremendously big or anything like that. But I, I mean, I just hate the idea of walking to a hospital at all. The fact that you're actually checked in there. Listen. Whatever you're there for, I hope it goes real smoothly, real quick, and you get back on your feet just as fast as you can. All of our best thoughts to you, man. And thank you for letting us be there with you. That's yeah. a real honor for us. Thank you so much, man. All right. All right. So What's now next? we can do this one here. Gabriel at the top. Gabriel, I'm starting to get more worried about the Jonathan Major situation since we haven't heard anything. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt right now and hope the situation resolves sometime soon. But if he did do it, then yeah, he deserves all the consequences. I mean, that's... That's the thing about any of this type of stuff. Like everybody rushes to make a decision. And I keep trying to tell people, you don't know anything. I I don't care what YouTube videos you watch. I don't care what Reddit threads you watched. You don't, you and I don't actually know anything. Um, So just like, look, and I've said, I was concerned when I remember when Jonathan Majors' lawyer came out and made that big grandiose statement, we've got this, all this video evidence that clearly shows we're going to submit it to the district attorney. We're going to have this thing thrown out immediately. They didn't throw it out. Mm-mm. And you know what district attorneys don't like to do? Lose. And if they think they have a losing case, they won't take it to trial. But they took this to trial. Does that mean Jonathan Majors is guilty? Absolutely not. But I, I, I just it's concerning to me because his lawyers talking this big talk. Oh, we're gonna get this thrown out because of all this stuff kind of stuff. It's like, well, clearly they think there's enough evidence there to to pursue a conviction. So we'll see how it all turns out. I, I mean, I think everybody involved, the studios, Jonathan Majors himself, the courts, the fans, I think everybody's rate like really ready for this to be over. Um, obviously what I'm hoping to hear, cause I think Jonathan majors is a singular talent. Um, and I love watching him on screen. So obviously I'm, and, and just the human part of me hopes that this is not true. Hopes that, um, 
that he did not do the things he's being accused of. But I agree with, I think everybody agrees with you. If he did do it, if he gets, if the proof shows that he did do it, yes, he needs to face consequences. But none of us should be jumping to any conclusions about whether he is or not. And it's important to keep in mind that, hey, he's innocent until proven guilty. So let's keep that in mind as well. And uh, hopefully gets this gets resolved. It's, the case has been running since August. So they're yeah. heading into their second month of the, uh, of the trial. So I hope this gets resolved quickly. Um, and then everybody can just move on. And then MCU, Marvel can focus on promoting their material or they can focus on replacing their Kang or whatever happens happen, happens next. But the waiting is, is, think, uh, is the worst thing on everybody. All right, guys. With that down, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to our YouTube channel members. Uh, number one, for being YouTube channel members. And number two, for sending us all those topics and questions for us to discuss. Guys, don't forget to join us again tomorrow for the next installment of the John Campy Show podcast. So for the people in the room, Ray Ora. Hey, get well, brother, in the hospital. Jonathan Voico. See ya. Chris Carr. Feel better, JG. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends... Pee-pee. <laughs>